Hey, this is Mike Boddington. You're listening to the Core Life Training. What is it? Core Life Training Podcast. Of course it is. With Jeff Olson. All right. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's Jeff with the Core Life Training Podcast. This is where we're going to dig into the Bible, get down with some killer tunes, and cool out with a tasty drink of choice. Welcome to episode number six. And in this episode, we have a question from AJ. It comes from John chapter 20, verse 23, in which it seems like Jesus is giving the disciples authority to forgive sins or not forgive sins. What's up with that? Is that our job? That's a great question. I'm going to take a crack at that one. This week's Metal Minute is from one of the all-time great heavy metal bands, Judas Priest. I was at their show in Portland uh, the other night, Tuesday night. I would be a total idiot to pass them up for the Metal Minute this week on this episode. In this episode's drink of choice is 1050 Imperial Stout from Oscar Blues. It's a rock solid stout in a 12 ounce can and I totally dig it. And in our last episode, I teased the 2018 Theology Challenge and I'm super stoked about how that's coming together. So I've been working on the reading schedule that's all dialed down for the summertime. I've got a pretty solid rough draft of the workbook that's going to go with the reading and I'm finalizing the details for a small group that I'm going to personally coach through the challenge. So whether you do the challenge on your own or you apply to be part of the hardcore pack that I'm going to work with this summer, what you're going to get is a 12-week guided blitz through basically my first year of theology reading at Bible College. You're going to cover the biblical foundations for all the basic doctrines of the Christian faith, and it's going to be super tight. Uh, As I said last week, it's not really for slackers. It's for people like you that are hungry to know God more deeply, to love Him more passionately in September than you did in May, and uh, more details are going to be coming out here pretty quickly. Maybe even in the next week, we'll have some, some firm details. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Before we continue on too far here, I just want to apologize for my voice. Man, it's super harsh still from Tuesday night at the Judas Priest show. Uh, I'm I'm not usually a big screamer at metal shows. I usually just like to cool out and watch the show and have a good time. But I'll tell you what, man, when when Judas Priest is playing Hellbent for Leather and Rob Halford points the mic at the crowd and we're all supposed to scream Hellbent for Leather, well, I just couldn't really contain myself. I just couldn't really help it, and uh, man, my voice is feeling it today, so I apologize for the rough voice, and uh, hopefully we'll get through this one all right, all right? So I uh, want to ask you to do me a big favor. You could help make this podcast rule even more if you would give me your Bible questions. So you're reading along in the Bible, you got a question or two that come up, let me have them, man, so I can put them in an episode. Uh, you can drop them on our Facebook page, or you can email them to me at jeff at corelifetraining.org. That would be sweet, and I would love to answer one of your questions on an episode of the podcast. And also, another big favor, if you're digging what we're doing, if you like it, would you please leave a review on iTunes? That helps us get noticed by the rest of the world, and uh, that would be awesome if you do that, and I'd appreciate it a ton. All right, man, we're going to get started. Why don't you grab a Bible, grab a notebook, and you grab your drink of choice. And let's get down to business. Dig it, all right, let's do this. So in John chapter 20, verse 23, got a question from a man, A.J. Schaefer. And here's what John 20, 23 says. Jesus said to his disciples, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they've been retained. And the question is like, that seems like Jesus is giving the disciples the authority to forgive or not forgive sins. What's up with that? That sounds weird, right? So let me put uh, John 20, 23 in the context of the Gospel of John. 
in chapter 20, verses 1 to 10. This is uh, after Jesus' death on the cross. Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb, and she finds the stone has been taken away from the tomb. You know, the stone that would, like, cover up the entrance to the tomb. So the tomb is, like, laid open at this point. And she goes and tells Peter and John, who promptly have like a foot race to get to the tomb. And they find the tomb empty, which should totally be like, yes, this is just exactly the way Jesus said it was going to be. He rose from the dead. Right on. Let's go party about this. But verse 9 of chapter 20 says they didn't understand the scriptures about the resurrection, right? So they don't quite get what's happening here. And verse 10 says, so the disciples went away again to their own homes. Like this is how dumb these guys are. Not only do they not get the resurrection, but instead of like, I don't know, going to the like police department or something, maybe filing a missing bodies report. They just go on home and I don't know, grab a cup of coffee. I'm not sure what they're doing, Uh, but they clearly the author of John is trying to let us know they clearly don't understand this whole thing of the resurrection. Okay, so in verses 11 to 18, Mary is sitting outside the tomb and she's crying and there are two angels there and they ask her why she's crying. And she says, because somebody's stolen the body, she doesn't understand either. She thinks somebody's taken Jesus' body away. And then she turns around and sees Jesus, but still doesn't get it. And he asks why she's crying. And she says, listen, if you've taken my Lord away, can you just let me know where you put him? And Jesus sort of opens her eyes to see who he is. And she's pumped. And he says, go tell the disciples that I'm ascending to the Father. Okay, so that brings us to chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. And this section starts out with, The disciples like hanging out, but they're like in this room with the doors closed and they're afraid of the Jews. And that makes perfect sense, right? Like Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you too. That's John chapter 15, verse 20. And so you can imagine these guys sitting around going, well, geez, for crying out loud, if they killed him, that means they're going to kill us too. And that just seems like a fair uh, concern on their part. I don't blame these guys for like not having a worship service and a free Easter egg hunt in the local park downtown. Like this makes perfect sense that they're kind of hiding out, right? And Jesus shows up in the room with them. Like he doesn't knock on the door. He doesn't like open the door. He just all of a sudden shows up in the room and he says, peace be with you. Verse 20, when he said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And so what Jesus is doing here is just uh, letting them know that it's like actually him. Wants to encourage their faith, encourage them to believe. And the end of verse 20 says, there was much rejoicing. So Jesus says to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me, so have I sent you. Now this is really key to understanding what's going to happen in verse 23. So let me just explain a little bit about what's going on here. He says, as the Father sent me. What does that mean? So if you go back to John chapter 17 in Jesus' high priestly prayer, uh, Jesus talks about being sent by the Father and sending the disciples. And I'm going to summarize this, but you can check this out in John uh, chapter 17. So in verses 6 to 8, the Father gave his word to the Son. That is, God the Father gave the Son a word to proclaim to the world. And the son gave the word to the disciples. That is, he proclaimed God's word to the disciples. And the disciples received the word and they believed that the son was sent from the father. And in believing they had eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Right? That's 17, 6 to 8. If you skip down to verses 14 to 20, the son gives the disciples God's word. And the son sends the disciples into the world in the very same way that he was sent by the father. That is to proclaim the word. The goal is that like many would believe through their word. And in believing, many would have eternal life and have forgiveness of sins, right? So if I could summarize this, the Father sends the Son to proclaim the word. Everyone who believes the word has eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Everyone who doesn't believe 
doesn't have forgiveness of sins. And in John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus says you'll die in your sins if you don't believe, right? So if you don't believe, you're not forgiven and you die in your sins. Then the son sends the disciples on the very same mission. He says, you go and you proclaim God's word. And if they believe, they'll have eternal life and forgiveness. And if they do not believe, they will not be forgiven and they'll die in their sins as well. So Jesus came on a gospel mission, right? And now that mission is theirs. So in verse 22, Jesus takes a breath and he says, receive the spirit. And he's giving them empowerment for the mission. In other words, the disciples clearly are not up for this mission. And the truth is, none of us are. Like, which one of us are up for, like, doing the mission of Jesus in the world? Not many. So the Lord gives his spirit for empowerment for that mission. Jesus himself accomplished the mission through the Holy Spirit, not just on his own power. He didn't just roll around going, well, I guess I'm God, and so in my own power I'm going to handle this. Christ himself relied on the Holy Spirit to preach, to perform miracles, to live his life for God's glory. Now the disciples are going to do the same thing. Now we come to verse 23, which is kind of the verse that's real tricky, right? And Jesus says, if you forgive anyone their sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you retain their sins, they're retained. Now here's what that does not mean. And this much is super clear from scripture, right? What Jesus does not mean is that the disciples have authority to forgive sins or not forgive sins. If you look at Mark chapter 2, verse 7, where Jesus says uh, to a, a paralytic, your sins are forgiven. And the Jews say, wait a second, this guy's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Even the clueless Jews get this idea that only God can forgive sins. Now, Jesus performs a miracle to show that he has the authority of God to forgive sins. But the point still stands. Only God can forgive sins. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, the Lord says, I even I am the one who wipes out your transgressions. And when he repeats like the word I, he says, I, even I, what he means by that is I alone, like just me, nobody else. I alone have the authority to forgive sins or to not forgive sins. And I'm not sharing that authority with anybody, right? And it's a good thing God doesn't share the authority to forgive or not forgive sins with you and me, right? Because you've demonstrated a thousand times that you won't forgive somebody that just cut you off in line at Starbucks. And I've proven a bunch of times that I won't forgive somebody who's talked bad about me behind my back. Like none of us are just and righteous the way the Lord is. And so none of us could ever judge sins or forgive them fairly, right? Only God has that power and that authority and only God should have that power and authority. So what Jesus is clearly not saying is that his disciples have the authority to forgive sins. In the context then, what authority uh, do the disciples have? And in the context, he's given them the authority to go into the world just like he did and to proclaim the gospel just like he did. And the goal is that people would believe just like the disciples did and trust God's promise and be forgiven. He's commissioned them and said, go into the world just the way I did. Preach God's word just the way I did. Now, if someone believes the gospel, let's let's put this in real life terms, okay? So if I preach the gospel, I'm at a meeting, I'm at a church service, or I share the gospel at a coffee shop or a bar with somebody if someone believes the gospel genuinely in their heart, right? I, I, I say, Jesus died in your place for your sins. God promises that he'll forgive you if you will just trust his promise, take him at his word and believe, right? If someone does that genuinely, can I say your sins are forgiven? I absolutely can say that, right? Not because of my authority to somehow forgive their sins. I can't say it that way. I can say it because of the truth of the gospel. I can say it because God makes that promise. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful 
and just and will forgive us of our sins. So I can say to somebody who's believed the gospel, yep, God has forgiven your sins. You're forgiven. I can say that not from my authority, but from the gospel's authority, from the authority of God's promise. Now, what if I preach the gospel and at the end of hearing the gospel, uh, the guy across the table from me at the bar says, listen, I don't believe any of that crap, but are my sins forgiven? Well, uh, what am I going to say at that point? No, your sins aren't forgiven. Your sins are retained, bro. Not because I have the authority to retain your sins, but because it's true. If you don't believe the gospel promise, you are still in your sins and you must repent. And as Jesus said in John 8, 24, if you don't repent, you will die in your sins. I don't say your sins are retained out of my authority. I say it simply because it's true in the gospel. So when Jesus says, if you forgive anyone their sins, he doesn't mean you have the authority to forgive. He says you're on a mission of bringing God's forgiveness to people through the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And he doesn't mean that he personally is reconciling people to God. He doesn't have that power. He means that he's been given the mission to preach the gospel so that people can be reconciled. So if you read these verses in John chapter 20, and you say you see that Jesus says, if you forgive anybody their sins, they're forgiven. If you, if you retain them, their sins are retained. You should not go sit in a box and have people come in and tell you their deepest, darkest secrets and then tell them they're forgiven or not forgiven. That's not our job, not at all. What you should tell people is the gospel. Jesus died in our place for our sins. God promises to forgive you. He promises to make you white as snow. It doesn't matter how jacked up you are, how messed up your life is, how dirty it's been. Isaiah 118, the Lord says, though your sins are like scarlet, I'll make you white as snow. Listen, he's in Isaiah chapter 1, God is like rehearsing Israel's centuries-long history of idol worship, immorality, sacrificing their children to Molech, Like, I don't know about you. I know, like, I'm a sinner, and lots of sins make sense to me. Never sacrificed my kids to Molech. But God promises even Israel, though your sins are like scarlet, I will wash you white as snow. That's the gospel message. And then we call people to repent and believe. And if they do, what do we do? We encourage them with the truth. Your sins are forgiven. Yeah, but I don't feel forgiven. I still kind of feel dirty. It's okay. God promises he's forgiven you. What if they don't believe? then we warn them, your sins are not forgiven. And you may feel forgiven, and you may have made up a God in your mind that looks a lot like you, and thinks a lot like you, and believes the things you believe, and totally understands where you're coming from, and gets your sins. He doesn't like other people's sins, because neither do you. But he totally gets yours. Doesn't matter, that's not true. Your sins are actually not forgiven, and you must repent and believe. So in John 20, 23, Jesus is not giving the disciples the authority to forgive or not forgive sins. He has already given them the authority and the mission to go proclaim forgiveness of sins in his name. And if you keep reading into the book of Acts, this is exactly what we find the disciples doing. They're not walking around forgiving people of their sins. They're going around proclaiming forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter's preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Acts 5, 31, Jesus has been exalted by God to give repentance and forgiveness. Acts 8, 22, repent and you'll be forgiven. Acts 10, 43, anyone who believes in him has forgiveness. Acts 13, 38, through him forgiveness is proclaimed. So in Acts, the disciples don't act like Catholic priests. They don't get in a box and take confessions. They don't pronounce forgiveness. They proclaim forgiveness over and over again. 
that give the gospel message that in Jesus your sins can be forgiven. And to everyone who believes, they follow up and say your sins are forgiven. And to anyone who doesn't, they say your sins are not forgiven and you must repent and you must believe. Right on. So I hope that helps you as you think about John chapter 20, verse 23. At first look, it's a little bit tricky, but if you put it in the context of the gospel of John and you read it in context with the book of Acts, it makes pretty clear sense that Jesus is putting his disciples on his mission to proclaim the gospel of forgiveness in his name. All right, it's time for this episode's Metal Minute, and it features one of my all-time favorite bands, and not just one of my all-time favorite bands, one of the all-time great heavy metal bands, Judas Priest. So when I was 12 years old, Screaming for Vengeance came out in 1982, and that record marked my real entrance into heavy metal music, right? So I had heard rock music on the radio as a kid, but nothing like Judas Priest. So I was at my friend Chris Danielson's house in seventh grade, and he put on Screaming for Vengeance and the opening lick from the Hellion and then the Electric Eye. Uh, At that point, it was pretty much over for me, and Judas Priest was my very first favorite metal band. Uh, I got to see them at the Tacoma Dome in 1984 on the Defenders of the Faith tour. I I went with my cousin John and a girl named Nancy LaPrate, and I think we probably both liked her at the same time. Uh, I think he got to hang out with her way more than I did at that show, but that's fine. I got a t-shirt at that show, and I got the tour book. And I remember going through that tour book, and back then there was no internet, and you, you just didn't have access to bands, right? And so, like, the only pictures you would ever see were in, like, Hit Parade or, or Circus Magazine. You just didn't have access. And so, to have a tour book just full of pictures was amazing. And I kind of totally wish that I still had the tour book and the t-shirt, but I don't. Uh, so, for 35 years, I've continued to love Judas Priest. They've put out some great records over the years. They're not just a band that has put out like two great records in the 80s and then has just sat on them. They've put out some great stuff. And their latest record, Firepower, like in my mind, is totally great. Like, I dig it. I think it's super strong. I know I've read all the comments online. Some people really love it. And there are some like people who think they're diehard Judas Priest fans who think they know better. I just couldn't even give a rip about those fools. It's a great record. It's solid all the way through. Not every song's a 10, but like who has ever put out that record? Like zero. Well, Led Zeppelin has, but nobody else has put out a record where every single song's a 10. So this is a great new record. And I was super stoked at Christmas time to open a present from my wife, Brenda, who loves me and is proof that God loves me. Uh, Not exactly in the same way that uh, this week's drink of choice is proof that God's loved me, but they're both proof that God loves me. Uh, So she bought me two tickets to Judas Priest, and the show came up just a couple nights ago, uh, Tuesday night here in Portland, the Memorial Coliseum, took my best friend, my man Lenny Martin, And uh, the two of us had a great, great evening of it, right? We started at Base Camp Brewing, had a burrito from the Mexican taco truck right outside, and a killer, killer double IPA called Nomadic from Base Camp Brewing. It was awesome. Uh, We ended up walking down the street and around the corner to another place that we thought we were going to and found out that the Grand Central Bowling Alley was right across the road. And that's where Brenda's office party, the end of the year tax season office party was. So we went up to say hi and uh, have a good time with a few people there. We ended up making our way to the Memorial Coliseum for the show. And let me just give you a few reflections on the evening, right? Here's just some of my thoughts about the night. Number one, Rob Halford is still killing it. Like that guy is 66 years old and is so freaking powerful. It's not even funny. Now, it's not like he was in 1984, but like who is like they were in 1984? Like seriously, like you weren't that awesome in 84. So you're definitely not not that awesome now. And this guy's still like ripping it up at 66 years old. It was amazing to see him go. Um, Both original guitarists, K.K. Downing and Glenn Tipton, are gone, right? K.K. Downing left a few years ago to retire, 
and Glenn Tipton has been diagnosed with Parkinson's for a few years and just cannot tour anymore full time. And so Richie Faulkner and Andy Sneap have filled in and they nail the sound and they nail the vibe of Judas Priest. And listen, I get it. Like, I totally get it. There are all these bands out there that are traveling around, touring around, and there's like one or two original members and all that stuff. I know, it's lame. I, I Like, I get all that. And some people are like, well, it's not Judas Priest without K.K. Downing. Like, yeah, I, like, I totally get it. I'm a fan. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. But listen, I don't even care. I don't even care. Like, I know what you're saying, but the night was amazing. The band was amazing. The music was amazing. It was so powerful. It was awesome. Uh, Glenn Tipton showed up. Uh, for a couple songs towards the end of the show. And he's doing that on a few shows uh, throughout the tour whenever he's feeling up to it. And I remember thinking to myself as I was watching him play that there's a dude who's 70 freaking years old who's got Parkinson's disease and he's on stage rocking in front of like thousands of people. And I thought to myself, what the hell am I doing with my life, right? Like I have no excuse for not being awesome, right? It's totally motivating to me. I think to myself, when I'm in my 60s and I'm in my early 70s, I want to be doing something awesome and it's not going to be on a stage. My fingers don't rock like they do in my heart. I understand that. I want to be doing something awesome. I don't want to get old and quit. I want to keep going like these guys just keep going. They keep doing something amazing and I want in on that. So after my experience on Tuesday night, I thought it'd be appropriate that this week's metal moment would be from one of my favorites of all time, Judas Priest. And I'm going to give you my introduction into the heavy metal world, the Hellion and Electric Eye from Screaming for Vengeance. So why don't you kick back, grab your drink of choice, and crank this one up.
<laughs> nice, right on, man. So, like, normally right now I'd say, hey, you should go to their band camp and buy their music. If you don't already own all of Judas Priest music by now, I'm really not sure what's wrong with you. I'm not sure if there's any hope for you or not. No, actually, there is hope for you. It's the gospel hope. Just repent. Just repent of your sins, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and go buy all of Judas Priest's music, and everything's going to be totally fine. All right, man. So this week's drink of choice is 1050 Imperial Stout from Oscar Blues. It's a thick, heavy Imperial Stout. Super good. It's got some coffee, some chocolate flavor to it. First time I had this was at the Hoppy Brewer in downtown Gresham on Main Street, where you should definitely go and see my man Steve Krause and get one of these. It's only $4 for a 12-ounce can. And for like the taste and the flavor, the ABV, for 4 bucks, you, can, you can't even possibly beat this thing. So head down to the Hoppy Brewer, check one of these out. 1050 Imperial Stout from Oscar Blues. Totally dig this one. All right, that's it for this episode. Be sure to check out the Core Life Training Facebook page where you can find information on upcoming classes, both live and online, new podcast episodes, and the upcoming 2018 Theology Challenge. You can find out all the information there. If you like your updates in your inbox, go to corelifetraining.org and sign up for the email list. Promise I won't spam you, won't sell your information, just give you updates and all that stuff. Thank you. Thank you for checking this episode out. My name is Jeff Olson. I teach the Bible, and I will check you later. Later.